Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Marshall Hill. We're journeying together and this is going to be a fun one as we start a new venture. If you heard a new ring right there, Nick, uh, great fun intro that we've put together and let's let everybody know uh, where do people find us at HyperClean Specialist on Facebook is the place to go. The most influential part is where it's interesting, right? Most influential podcast. Uh, as we begin to merge in, people will begin to see now all coming on to the HyperClean store on Instagram and on where you go to find us HyperClean store on Facebook. You'll see the merging together of Pints of Polishing podcast, HyperClean store, and as the influence continues, uh, great little jingle that we switched up to and a new logo today, right? Yeah, we, uh, we've done it all. You know, we're, we've been pretty busy and uh, in a good way. You know, we've been trying to clean things up this whole year. People can see it throughout the brand. Pints and polishing is going to be more a part of HyperClean as we move forward, not less. We're investing in every facet of our business. It just... Again, like many of you are experiencing, things just take a little bit longer, right? You know, it, everything takes a little few extra days here. Deliveries are taking an extra day or two. So, you know, we're working through it. I think the new logo is really cool. We're going to do some swag around it, some, some, some different things. And it's totally integrated into our brand of HyperClean, right? And that's the most important thing is you're going to be able to go to one spot. If you go to our Facebook page, it's going to have, it already has, uh, Pints and polishing in in the page, right? It's it's in the podcast section. That's ours. We're going to integrate, you know, the live streams through there now. So I, I do think it's going to be a much cleaner, easier to find thing for most of the people following us. All right, I'm definitely buying that. Uh, I'm selling though. I'm going to sell this this week. I'm going to sell Bedlam football, right? Because for some reason, just because the Sooners lose. They got to get rid of their coach. They got to send everything. I mean, players are leaving. The whole program from Sooner Nation just seemed to collapse because the Cowboys put a whooping on them and, you know, and kills them. Is your boy, what's he doing? Is he staying there? Is he moving on? What's he doing? Nah, he was on the plane to LA. So he's oh, gone. I got to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he wants that sunny uh, California weather, but yeah, gave him a, uh, Gave him a text and uh, he was on that private jet and he's now the uh, DC at USC. Man, good, good for him. You know, it was, it was sad to see everybody leave. Uh, it was the great departure here in the state. Well, you guys hired somebody today, so you're good to go. We, well, yeah. Brent Venables. Here, here we go. We're going, I just wish Gundy would bring back if it, like you had mentioned, there's, there's so many people that have brought back. He was the original though, to yeah, bring it mullet. back the original like five or six years ago i'm a man i'm 40 <laughs> forget that about gundy he was yeah, a man sure. right at 40 absolutely uh, do you remember what what receiver that was that he was defending was that that blackman dude i forget or was it uh i, I thought when i just popped in my mind it was either blackman or didn't i thought wasn't it des bryant yeah des bryant was at that yeah it could yeah. have been him too yeah, yeah they had two they had a bunch of good receivers there in a short period of time I think it was Des. All right, buying or selling, what do you got? I am selling today. I'm actually selling takeout. 
So <laughs> we, we, there's only some takeout that's good, right? Like Chinese food's got it figured out. Pizza's got it figured out. But now everything, Grubhub, all, you know, they, they want you to believe you can get everything to your house and it's going to be delicious. So we ordered from a really, really good Mexican restaurant yesterday. Foods, when you sit down there, the food's always excellent. So I actually went and picked it up because it's only, you know, five, six miles from my house. Go pick it up, bring it back home. It doesn't work. I'm selling it. We have got to stop talking ourselves into this is going to be good. Pizza, Chinese food, let's call it a day. Okay. They had it figured out. No one else has it figured out. I'm, I am selling random takeout food. Like, you know, again, it just doesn't work. Now, fast food, Mexican food. I understand. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about true restaurant takeout. And it so what good. happened? Did the, the enchiladas get sloppy on the way home? Or, you of know, course. the, case, the case of course they did. come unbuckled? I mean, geez, of course, uh, of course it happened. When does it stay together? If you don't eat it within two minutes of it coming off the grill, is it going to stay together? How does it stay together? It just doesn't. It comes apart. So what'd you get? Was it the big chilapa burrito that had like all the fixings inside? What's your go-to? No, at this place, they have uh, seafood enchiladas. They're usually great. Okay. Simple, easy, you know, great. Get it home. It's just everywhere. It's just, you know, you take one fork to it and the whole thing comes. I'm like, you know what? I still enjoyed the ingredients. It's just not as good of an experience. And we're trying to tell ourselves that it is. All right. So is you a queso? Is that a white queso, yellow queso? <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. This no is queso? real Mexican. This is real Mexican food, Marty. This isn't Midwest Tex-Mex. Oh, man. Uh, no, it was like a, uh, like a Verde salsa, like, you know, more like green chili salsa on top. It's great food. I love oh, that. I'm place. with you on that. I'm at the case. So no queso at all. You don't even, you don't do chips and queso. That's not. Oh yeah. Thing. I'll do chips and queso, but I didn't do it to that. You know, I didn't do it on this trip. Uh, I thought that's what you're asking, but you know, I can eat. I mean, dude, anybody can eat any queso. I'll eat all the queso. I mean, it doesn't matter which one. I'm, know, I'm a fat, I'm, I'm a fat ass. Of course I'm going to eat <laughs> any, any queso that's put in front of me. I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? All right, so if that's what you're that's what you're selling, I'm buying something that's almost similar. Uh, I'm buying hangover cures. Right, there's plenty of good Mexican food that can be hangover cures, but but you mix in some salsa in there, it might come up uh, again. And you might not <laughs> want that, right? So that won't that won't be rosy. <laughs> so that, that that won't be great. So <clears throat> I, I'm buying hangover cures, right? Because we, we had a fun party, right? It was, but. So we go to this pajama party and we, we walk in forced, right? Say hi to a couple of people, but let's grab a drink. Walk up to the bar and I hear somebody in front of me go, no beer? And I went, wait, what? Sure enough, they did this party with just wine, champagne, and whiskey, uh, and vodka. And I think there's maybe one or two bottles of tequila. I don't know. We were straight. I, I mean, I was like, cool. And they had some really good whiskey. So I, I just kept drinking whiskey all night. However, right? Like, like we all know, if, if your girl's not used to drinking the hard liquor all the time, uh, there, was, there was a moment in the evening I go, okay, time to go. 
<laughs> you know, it just let's roll. Let's roll. <laughs> you know, it just it got it. It was she did a good job. You know, she, we had a good time. It was fun. Uh, but uh, you know, it just you know where it was going to end up. And sure enough, the next morning, heavy, heavy on the hangover. So first thing I do for breakfast, I feed her avocado, right? Avocado. So the reason is if you got a hangover, you want to do a lot of fat the next morning. That's why when we were younger, I didn't realize this, but I would wake up and I'd crave a cheeseburger. Why? Well, because the fats really soak up the alcohol. So a good healthy fat is an avocado. Not a good healthy fat is where we went for lunch, though. And the reason why I'm buying it is because we went to Whataburger. Mm, and like I said, a, a good, fatty, greasy cheeseburger. But in line at the Whataburger is really where it kicked off. And this is what was cool for me, right? Because in line was this old school, right? And it's going to be, look at that. Would have been like a an early eighties. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, that's an old. It was truck. super sweet old truck, and it was an old Ranger, but they called it an F one fifty Ranger back then. Wow, I mean, that's it was crazy. Old, yeah, but now what was really respectful is as he drove by, like of course we got to check it out, right? So I'm like, oh shit! I mean, it was clean. He had it really dialed in. I couldn't tell. I, I mean, I think it had been repainted, but, you know, it's just going by real quick. It, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, it looked really good. It's, you know, he's got some chrome work, but you're just like, hats off to that guy, you know? that Like, doing hey, really, really well on that, man. Getting it to the finish line. Definitely. I mean, sitting back, chilling with his old old girlfriend, grandma, and uh, they're going to the Whataburger, too. And there I was, eating at the Whataburger <laughs> with them. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, so good. All right. So uh a little specialist spotlight uh want to throw out. Every once in a while I would do this. I think it'd be a fun thing to do. Things we're seeing inside of uh the hyperclean specialist group inside of uh the community of hyperclean is uh Brandon from Tim's. Uh kind of a little shout out to him. We've talked about him multiple times because whenever we put things out, you can ask him what he does is he goes. I just do what you guys tell me to do and, and it works. So I love that about Brandon. And one of the things that we have talked about is as, as he, and there's some others, which is a cool thing uh, inside the hyperclean specialist, there's a new segment of those that are trying to see an opportunity, an opportunity that they might not get with other brands. They might not get in any other time in history, or maybe even going forward, an opportunity to begin to grow a brand yourself as a distributor, a new leg of their business for HyperClean selling the products and using the products, right? It's a, it's a two-fold game, one that I started as a journey. And inside this group, we talked to them about going into other Facebook groups, being active inside of their groups, local groups, and Brandon started making some sales of HyperClean products inside this group. And so uh, I wanted to give a little... Uh, Cheers, a little community to uh, Brandon as the uh, spotlight for uh, the specialist. And in that journey that he started is one that I started 10 years ago. And so at Mobile Tech 2022, what we get to do is we get to talk about that journey and we get to talk about the opportunity that you have. Because while others might have an opportunity to sell a brand, not everybody gets the opportunity to sell a hyperclean brand, which is built by two detailers who walk you through the journey of how to 
continue around your detailing business. But Nick, as you have still run a detailing business and moved into chemicals, it's made a new branch, a new line that you've said, gosh, I wish I would have been able to do that 10 years ago. I wish I could have done it younger in my career. Give us a 30 second thing for anybody that's curious about, you know, why you joined over into starting to do chemicals and, yeah. and what that's been like and the opportunity that they have. Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. Actually, for me, I realized in 2019 when I started to dig in that I knew a lot more about chemicals than the people that were selling me chemicals. That's the opportunity that we're giving guys. Cause now when we have, we talk to all of our distributors we're bringing on, we have large distributors, we have distributors just starting their, their, their business. It's funny that, you know, we, we call it be, be the expert. And part of being the car care expert is you need to understand chemicals and nothing better than hyper clean to propel that in your business and give you an opportunity. So the opportunity that I missed out on and many detailers miss out on is being able to take these things you use every day in your life, educate people about them and make money on them. So for 10 years, I had all of this chemical knowledge as I started my business and it just kind of went to waste on my customers detailing cars, right? They didn't care about my knowledge and I couldn't really share it with anybody. So that's, that's the opportunity. The opportunity is take these chemicals you're working with every day and make them a profit center for your business. Distribution is much different than what is being talked about in our industry. And, and we can dive into that a different day, but we keep saying the word distribution. That doesn't mean put things on your shelf and sell them to your customers. It's a little bit more of a bigger opportunity that we're talking about. Yeah, most def. Uh, the interesting part, and here's the main part of where we're going to talk about today, because it started last week in the community pub. And I think it's one that's going to continue over into this week's community pub. And it's a pretty hot topic that is always fun, right? As, as you and I have said, as, as we begin to influence the industry, when these little moments hit and people start to really talk about something that we discuss, man, it's just fun, right? It, it's fun to see everything going on. It's fun to experience it. And uh, when when we talked about last week on the pub and, and it started with, uh, uh, with Dustin from quick split and, and he was talking about uh, building a business. Right. And he was, he was discussing some stuff that buzzword Billy threw out. And, you know, and so we broke it down a little bit further into, well, okay, what does it take to build a business? And somebody said, well, you can't do anything for less than 150 bucks. And that little moment gave us a runoff, right? It gave us a chance to dive into what does that mean? Because the cool part inside the community pub is that you've got <laughs> detailers from all different four corners in the middle of the states, uh, all different areas. And we get to discuss things openly. And the discussion of, well, I don't charge anything less than 400. Well, I do things for 75 bucks. Uh, I'm not going to do anything less than 2000. It's all across the board. Uh, the interesting part of what we realized though, was it doesn't matter, right? Whatever anybody charges, there's now a chasm that's been formed between, well, I charge this, I do this, I do what's in your package. And there's this big giant chasm. You've defined the chasm out a little bit into two segments with, you know, a solopreneur's, and business owners. So 
break that down for us a little bit. What, how do you define somebody at, that, that's a, yeah. a solopreneur? Yeah, we, we've been, what, a couple years having conversations with guys. As we turn this calendar, we'll be at our two years where you and I, and we've had people come on episodes when we used to have detailers come on episodes and they would talk about the pricing issues in their area. And one of the things that came out of Wednesday's conversation when I went back and listened to it was it was a great discussion, right? A lot of opinion, a lot of reasoning, a lot of people giving their thoughts. And I think that's terrific. But in detailing now, we have to acknowledge a little, like you said, a chasm. There's people that are operating a business, just one person. I'm, I'm providing services. I'm this solopreneur. Then there's people building companies. Okay. Those are the two styles of businesses that we have in detailing now, for the most part. And a solopreneur is building a business that just dependent on them. So if they don't work, they don't get paid, right? They're just taking the old model. Hey man, I'm want to be, I don't like hiring. I don't like dealing with other people. I just want to chill out. I, I want to work 30 hours a week. I, whatever the reason is they're making this choice. Right. And so a solopreneur is somebody that's just operating on their own. They don't really want to hire and expand. They don't, it's not a necess necessity to them. And is there and anything that, wrong with, is there anything wrong with that? No, no, I, there's nothing wrong with any of this. I mean, the pricing discussion, I, the thing that stinks about the pricing discussion is, is that it always becomes a right and a wrong discussion. And I think today we want to elevate past that. Let's just have the conversation of there's a couple types of businesses and they're all going to do a little bit different in their pricing and the way they see things. Okay. So pricing then for a solopreneur, are you saying yeah. it's going to be different? Yeah. I mean, think back to when you were running your detailing business at the beginning and it was just you, you thought of your pricing way different because it was your blood. It was your sweat. It was your tears. It was you cracking your knuckles on the rim, right? You're pricing in a lot of this, you know, hard work because it's your time and your effort literally it's on your back. So you're 20 years in what it takes for me to fully detail a car price wise today. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Why? Because I know the effort. I know all that stuff. Okay. Well, because you're slow and it's going to take you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the reality is a solopreneur gets on and says, I don't touch a car for under 500 bucks it makes kind of some sense for that person because they're pricing in their experience and their blood, sweat, and tears, right? They're, they're, they're pricing that in. But also when people make these statements, we're not really getting the context. Why is somebody charging what they're charging? And I think that's what's missing from these price conversations largely is a context behind why you're charging what you're charging. And it's always just, I don't wake up for anything under 700 bucks. I don't open my shop for less than this. Right. And I just don't think there's a lot of context to those statements. Okay. So then the other side you're calling is a business owner, right? I guess. No company. They're, they're both oh, businesses. Okay, company. Somebody's building a company and the other person's operating solo. They're both businesses. They're just different styles of business and one's a company and one's a solopreneur.
Okay. And so a company would think about things from this angle. What does it cost for me to do a job, pay somebody, run my van, run my shop, you know, pay my utilities, whatever it is, your cost of your business, add their markup to make a profit and sell the business, right? That's what you would do. Sell, sell that job. They don't have to think about all the effort, all the blood hitting their hands on a, on a, uh, on a rim when they're trying to clean it. They don't, they don't have to think about the physicality of a detail. They have to think strictly, what do I need to mark this up? Uh, to, to, to keep my business moving forward. So I don't go out of business. I need to, I need to understand my numbers. So they're looking at jobs where they may make 25 to 30% on their money at the end of the day and go, Hey, two thumbs up. That's good enough for me. But also that could mean that price is much lower than a solopreneur is willing to do the business for, do that job for because they're not pricing in all this effort and all they're just pricing in, Hey, I need to make a profit and keep moving forward. Okay. That, uh, I think there's a very unique, interesting way of looking at it that might've opened some eyes for some people, because there's no doubt that one of the buzzwords that constantly gets thrown around is, Hey, work on your business, right? You know, it's build your business. Uh, so, so if I'm a, if I'm a solopreneur, I can build my business. Or if I'm a company, I can build my business. There's not a differentiation between the two. Um, and so pricing, basically what I'm, I'm hearing you say, well, pricing shouldn't even be the question that we begin to ask. Shouldn't even be in the ballpark. No. And that, that's part of the problem, right? Is that you and I've had so many detailers reach out and they say, well, they get to a point of conversation with us and they go, well, Nick, what do people charge in your area? And I go, uh, I don't know. I don't care. I I've never looked into it. I price to accomplish the goals that I want to accomplish in my business. And so let's get back to the solopreneur because these are a lot of people in the Facebook groups, a lot of people, YouTube videos, a lot of people now offering training come from this solopreneur world. A lot of people on the pub on Wednesday night were solopreneurs. One of the things that gets left out of the price conversation is context. What is the context of me using the words, I don't open my shop for less than a thousand bucks. I'm not going to do a detail for under $250. That's crazy. I don't know why any, nobody's making money doing that, right? We've all heard those kinds of statements. The interesting part of it is, why is that person saying that? That never gets asked. It never gets put into a Facebook group. It never gets said on the pub. Well, let me give you an example of a 30-year solopreneur that I know who does some of the highest-end hot rod work in the world. It's a detailer, polishes cars to perfection. Not a single person listening to this would know this guy's name and has probably never heard of him, okay? He's been doing it for 30 years all by himself. Very early in his business, I remember him saying to me, people can't work for me and I can't have them work for me either. It's just not who he is. He's an extremely talented person. It is what it is. He doesn't touch a car for under $2,500. So he won't even open his shop doors for under 2,500 bucks. Damn, that's a pretty steep price to open your doors. You know what everybody doesn't know who doesn't ask him? He has an inherited house, no house payment. And his wife makes a really good living. And so 
and he lives in a place where it doesn't cost a lot to live. So guess what? You hear this person say, Hey, Marty, I don't open my shop for less than $2,500. And anybody that does, I don't know how they make money. Everybody's read that comment in the Facebook group or heard it on a podcast or whatever. You hear it from this guy and that's all you hear. You don't realize he inherited a house. That's not his fault. That's just the reality. That's the context of why he's okay with his high pricing. He's got insane talent, which about 0.001% have. His wife makes a great living. So they pretty much can live a really, really high class lifestyle off her salary. So if he only, if he goes a whole month without doing a job, eh, no big deal. Next one will come. When it comes, it comes. His income's irrelevant. Not irrelevant like they don't want to have it, but they don't need it. So now when you put that context behind his pricing, the pricing has context magically. And you're like, oh, oh, if I didn't have any bills and I hardly had a, anything to do except pay electricity, <laughs> I might charge 50 grand. And if I could work on a car for a couple of days? Uh, how about a couple of weeks? Or how about, you know, oh. whenever it's done, it's done. There's context to all of this. And so once you start putting context to the, I won't touch a car for XYZ pricing, then it makes sense, right? You go, oh, okay. It makes sense why that guy's running his solepreneurship the way that he is. The problem is in a Facebook comment or, or, you know, something like the community pub or somebody else's podcast, it's hard to give that context. And how many people are going to tell you, Hey, I'm a coding and correction specialist. Cause quite frankly, doesn't cost me much to live. And if I only do a job or two a month, it's like, great. I don't really want to work that hard. But I can tell you there's an infinite number of people with that kind of attitude. And online, they come across as picky or they're high end or they're just not doing that much work. And there's a reason for it because they inherited a house or their wife makes a lot of money or both or, or they want to spend time with their kids. Without this context, people talking about pricing is a little bit, I don't know, it's kind of out of the blue. There is, there is no reality to it. Well, I'd say it actually isn't out of the blue. I'd say it's something that's been bubbling over the past four or five years, especially, you know, as, as we began to grow inside uh, 17, 18, 19, as, wow, I mean, gosh, you remember how incredible it was. The market was hot. You could do so much. And, and it seemed like a, uh, almost like a badge of honor, right? Like inside of groups and inside of these areas that detailers will get together and chat about everything they're doing. Well, what do they like to talk about this big ticket price? And, and a good, a good part of that group was in that multi-layer they were going after, they were trying to get this corrections, trying to get coatings. They were trying to get to this point. And it had everything to do with a particular brand that you would use. And you were going to certainly make all this money. Right. And people would quote and put their prices out and they would, and it seemed, like I said, a little bit of like a badge of honor. Uh, so it's interesting to get to a point now today where we think about does what you charge, does that matter, right? Because I don't know. We want to be quote unquote detailers, right? And we want to be the best in our area. Does charging the most, right? 
because I think this is what, what the another underlying part of the question, because if we get somebody that sends in to us wanting to know how much they should charge, right? Of course, there's all these different variables is what's your customer base like, right? And you could go through, which we talk about what's your area like, and most everybody's used to hearing those that if you should hear that, right? That another company can't tell you what to charge. It's, it's really based on your area. However, okay, we want to be the best, quote unquote. And there's a theory that to be the best, you have to charge the most. Could you make money, yeah. right? And this was part of my question on the pub. Mm-hmm. Could you make money by not charging exorbitant amount? And which is where that $150 question came out. Could you, you know, could you be profitable cleaning cars at 150 bucks? Listen, I started, you started. This is, this is the, the, the cool part. I did it on $50. Yeah. And I think you know somebody that took their business way beyond what I did at 50 bucks. But yeah. could somebody run a profitable, you know, let's, we could call it business, we call it company, whatever you want to call it, company is a yeah. better word. Could you run a profitable business at 50 bucks a car? You certainly can. And uh, we have the numbers of an actual business that I had the opportunity in 2014 to buy. So this was a moment in time for me. I was about four plus years, just, just ticking over my fourth year as a business owner. And we're cruising. I think I'm building this great business. And I get a phone call from a buddy and he goes, hey, man, I got a number to this business broker. You need to take a look at this business. Okay, you need to take a look at the financials from this, this, this detailing business. I said, okay. I don't have much experience at this point. I'm not, I mean, seven years means a lot, right? I mean, you know that seven years beyond 2014, we're in 2021 now, I would have looked at this much different. Okay, I would have been way more prepared to, to, to jump on this opportunity. So I call the broker who's listed this business and I go, Hey, I was told to give you a call. He goes, look, man, this business is not going to last till the end of the month. I'm going to send you a non-disclosure agreement. You know, for those that have never tried to buy a business, they make you sign in, sign an NDA saying you'll never disclose anything that they're giving you. Perfect. He goes, you need to sign this. You need to get it back to me ASAP. He goes, because this, this business might not make it out of the week. Okay. It's super profitable. You need to jump on this opportunity. They don't talk that way, by the way. Brokers don't. They don't, they don't speak that way. Sends the NDA over within a couple minutes. Sends it. I sign it, send it back to them. I got the financials within 10 minutes of all of these phone conversations. That's how amped up everybody was about these financials. Let me start by saying financials can be manipulated, right? Financials can look great and they aren't except for he had the small business administration and a couple banks go through his financials, match them up to his bank records, and they were verifiable financials. So this is as legit as it gets when it comes to buying a business, basically. And that's, that's important because you could have gotten a loan, I guess, right from, from the bank would have just signed off on it. The SBA would have loaned on it. 
banks would have loaned on it. Everybody was ready to give money away for somebody to buy this business. That's basically what it means. It's like these banks are like, hey, please come. If you qualify, please come get a loan, which in small business doesn't really happen very much. So I look at the financials and I'm in shock. I'm in absolute shock because I'm like, damn, my business has a long way to go. You want to talk about depressed? I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's killing it. Now, seven years ago, okay, I'm just in the infancy of my first five years in business. I think it's great. I'm still open. And I look at this guy's financials and it blows my mind. So let me give the two numbers that matter. For those that are listening, if you want to grab a pen and paper, certainly do that and rewind this segment. But here are the numbers that I saw. 1.8 million average revenue every year for 10 years straight. Then the number that made me fall back was $900,000 per year made take home into his pocket on average every year over 10 years. So made at least $900,000 total take home for 10 straight years every year. <clears throat> the one thing that was crazy is they didn't do any ad backs which ad backs for those that don't know are cell phone bills count as, as paying you, you paying your home internet bill, you paying a car lease, you paying your wife's car lease, all the stuff that goes on in business. That's like another hundred grand. So he basically averages over a million dollars in pay over those 10 years, every single year per year, not a million for the 10 years, we're talking about $9 million taken out in cash over a 10-year period into his pocket. He then sold the business within three weeks, a week and a half as escrow at the bare minimum, basically. Okay? Because you got to put the money in a bank account. We got to verify everything, whatever. Within three weeks, he had a check in his bank account. I should have said a direct deposit. They didn't bring like some game show check to him, obviously. But they deposited $3.5 million in the sale of his business in cash in his bank account to sell this business. So over a 10-year period, this gentleman made, made take home $12.5 million on his detailing business. I asked him why he was, he was selling it. He said, it wasn't enough money for me. I got bigger deals. I got bigger real estate deals to do. I love detailing, but I'm out. I want to sell. I want to take this money and do something else in real estate. So as I saw those numbers and for everybody, if you want to rewind, we did those numbers at the beginning just to make it easy. I got to talk to him. Because obviously, that's a big part of you selling your business. People want to know. I'm thinking before I talk to him, he's got to be doing, he's got to have 50 installers of PPF. He's got to be doing coatings galore. Because I mean, coatings were, were a thing then. I know not everybody knows that, but coatings were around. And guys, I, I just thought he was doing every exotic service that existed. I, I swore up and down, no way you do 1.8 million. He's got to be doing tons of PPF. That's all I thought to myself. I said, okay, man. Thanks for taking my call. Can you start by telling me what your packages are? 
He goes, yeah, I don't have packages. I said, what do you mean you don't have packages? He goes, uh, I have one thing that we do, and that's all that we do. Now I'm expecting to hear $10,000 details, $5,000 details, huge restoration work, something. I said, okay, what do you guys do? He goes, uh, we do a $50 mini detail. And it was dead silent. It felt like forever. You know how that goes. I said, you do what? He goes, yeah, we have one service. We don't do dog hair removal. We don't do anything other than a $50 mini detail. Now, mind you, I already know that somebody went through these financials. A lot of credible, and I'm going, no way. What's this guy talking about? I mean, these are things you go through your head when you're having one of these conversations. Marty, you, know, you and I have been on some phone calls together. A lot of things run through your head when you hear stuff on the phone. So I said, okay, uh, can you walk me through how you take $50, many details, and turn it into $1.8 million in revenue? He goes, yeah. He goes, you got a pad and paper, sort of like I did to everybody like a minute ago. I said, yeah. He goes, it's not going to take long. I, I'm thinking there's like some scheme I'm going to miss out on here. He goes, it'll only take a second. I said, okay. He goes, yeah. So we work 365 days a year. He goes, that's the first thing. I said, well, how do you pull that off? He goes, well, the first four years of my business were figuring out what to do the last 10 years of my business. So he was in business about 14 years, but the first three to four years, he was trying to iron out his thought process of how to get to a million dollars worth of business. He goes, the problem is there's not enough days when you start clocking holidays and weekends. And he goes, that's where the $50 things be became a problem for me. Now, mind you, we're talking about an itty bitty problem in his world. If he worked five days a week, he'd have been damn near a million anyway. So he goes, I went ahead and diversified who I did business with. And I said, okay, what the hell does that mean? He's like, on holidays, we work at airports and, and private aviation areas, but the private aviation areas are not private hangars. They're large private aviation companies where there's hundreds of people in the parking lot because they're chartering a jet. They don't own a jet, right? So he goes, that's how I get over the holidays. And I said, it's got to be tough to find people. And he just mocked me and he goes, my guys want to work seven days a week. And most of them have been with me the last 10 years. I said, how's that possible? Who wants to work seven days a week? He goes, well, when I explain what they make to, to do some mini details, you'll kind of see what I mean. And he goes, but I do have some part-time guys, guys that fill in on the weekends, or if my guys want to go on vacation or, you know, want to take Christmas off or whatever, we have help. So I, I fill those people in, but a lot of those people went with me three or four years. I'm like, okay, great. Walk through the numbers for me. He goes, so we average a hundred cars every single day is the goal. You know, some days they'll do 90, the other day they'll do 110, but they're trying to average a hundred every single day. He goes at $50, it's $5,000 daily. That $5,000 daily times 30 days on average in a month, he goes, and there's actually a little bit more than 30 days per month. It's like 30 and a half. That's where we get our revenue up or down each year. Is there some variance in the days we worked? Maybe we got rain, whatever, right? There, there, there are certain things that happen, but we try to make up all of our work, whatever. I said, okay, great. Just run through the basic numbers. 
hundred cars a day at 50 bucks. That's $5,000 daily times 30 days is $150,000 a month in revenue. <laughs> times 12 months is 1.8 million. And that's what my goal was. He goes, you know, one year we got over 2.1, you know, a year we went to 1.6, but you can see the averages for yourself. And he was exactly right. He just had it down nuts and bolts, exactly how it worked. I said, okay, well, walk me through, how do you pay for everything? Because you're not making 1.8 million. You, you pay out half the money. He's like, okay, simple. I got two man vans. Every person gets $10 per mini detail as pay. So, and I only schedule these guys to do 20 cars a day as a team. That's all they can do. If we miss days, they'll make it up to make up the volume, but I want them home. And that's where I got the idea for my company. The whole, give them a schedule, let them get them done as quick as they can and let them go home. He's like, I don't want to burn my guys out. And he's been completely right because seven years after I met him, that's what we do as a company. So he goes, two man vans, 20 cars per van, $10 each for each detail. Then I take $5 from every detail. And that goes towards chemicals, repairs, taxes, all the things I'm going to owe, which by the way, is actually a high number. Okay. He really went above and beyond with that $5 per car, because when he did the math, he had a ton of money in a bank account that he was going to get to take when he closed, you know, when he, when he sold his business, there was still money in these accounts. So what he did was he took $20 per detail and put it in a payroll account. He took $5 per detail and put it in like tax repair, you know, incidentals, chemicals to run your business, that kind of thing. So for those counting at home, that's $25 in cost per detail. The other 25 bucks was free and clear his. And when you're doing a hundred of those a day, you are netting because he's already figured his cost in. You are netting $2,500 a day to run your business. It's pretty unbelievable what I saw. And to this day, some of the things that him and I talked about influence how I run my business, not burning your guys out, you know, his thoughts on how he splits his money up. I mean, we implement a lot of that. I mean, hell, we even implement some of that in Hyperclean, right? The way we operate our finances as a company. This guy had a huge influence on me. I didn't know him. I still, I, that was the only time I ever talked to the guy. This is proof that context matters. You can't make money charging X, Y, Z. That's the Facebook group mantra at some point when they talk pricing. Community pub, you'll hear it. You'll hear, it's just how people speak. No issue with it. You now all have been exposed to a business that existed, to a business that made tons of money, it's a business that you have no reason, I don't think, anymore to say so-and-so can't make money doing that. The difference is you have no viewpoint on what he was doing from the outside. You, you didn't understand what he was building. All you saw was the $50 price tag, right? You didn't realize 
he was building it around volume, like a Walmart or an Amazon. And he was running so efficiently. And so, I mean, to think that somebody is working in your business on Christmas, he's running it to the point that he had no choice but to make money and left a $900,000 a year business behind because it wasn't enough money for him and wanted to invest in things that had higher upside. That's the context nobody knew about in the moment is that this guy wasn't charging $50 a detail and barely getting by. He was charging $50 a detail and he had detailers making $5,600 a month. They weren't just getting by. Now you can sit here and say, that's not a detail. We've discussed this a million times on here. I don't even know what is or what isn't. I, I still have never heard a coherent argument of what is a detail. What isn't, what is, it's different to everybody. We're not here to debate that part, but we are here to say, if you look at the context, it's a pretty impressive business charging 50 bucks and not even no dog hair removal, no nothing. We're not, we have no other service. A mini detail led to a $1.8 million revenue per year for a decade straight. Pretty impressive stuff. It's pretty, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if, of really any other business that has ever done that. The, the other that people, and it's interesting you talked about, you know, people want to call that a detail or not. The other part of our industry that people don't want to talk about is those that wash cars, right? It could even be a hand wash, right? Like not even talking about an automated car wash. There is automatic hand washes where they pay people to sit in the tunnel and wash people's cars. Like it is what it is. There's so many different ways that we can do company, do solopreneur, do business. Many, many different options. That's why we say we love the idea of everybody getting together, talking through their different theories, because there's no one way to run your business. You want to do solopreneur? Do solopreneur. And be the best solopreneur you can ever be. You want to run a company? Hey, <laughs> whew. Takes a lot of work, takes a shit ton of work. Not that solopreneur doesn't, but it definitely takes more in a lot of other avenues and a lot of other areas. You got to so many different things with, I think, patience, working with people, being able to have communication skills. Yeah, it can be in a completely different direction than you ever want to go. Pick out which one you want, be the best you can. We're here to have an open discussion. We're here to jump through the different ideas so that we can toss back and forth things on the community pub. That's what to us community is about. So Nick, great uh, insight into a different option for people. They could go make uh, almost a million dollars a year, you know, uh, yeah. if you want to well, put up, if you want to put up with everything, yeah. right? I mean, it's context. Cause, yeah, because he had a lot of stuff he had to put up with, a lot yeah. of things he had to go through. Is it worth it for some people? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And that, that's, the, know that's the point. That's the point is that, you know, getting out of that habit that some so-and-so can't do this or so-and-so can't do that or why would you charge this or why? 
pricing has always been a silly conversation to me because I have no idea how successful someone is. You and I joke. I, I say this all the time. You know, you always hear that an athlete is successful. Oh, Magic Johnson's a great business person. LeBron James is great at business. How the hell do you know? Do you have their bank account number? Do you, do you know how many good investments and bad investments they've made? There's, there's no way for any of us to know. And that's the funniest part, Marty, is you, you and I have come across very successful people. It, I have no idea if they're going to be you know, successful six months from now. I don't know if their house and their cars are a show. I don't know. I mean, there's guys that die with 10 million in the bank and they drive the same truck like you saw at Whataburger. <laughs> I mean, how the hell do you know? That's why it's always been a weird conversation to me because I have no idea how much money another guy has. And yet so many people make the comment like, hey, Marty, how did you only charge 150 bucks? That's crazy. I think there's a better way to think about it. If somebody's giving you the context of their pricing, that's a different discussion. But very rarely do we ever get the full context of why someone's doing something. All right, man. Good talk today. Good talk. Uh, great time. Hopefully see everybody on the community pub Wednesday night, 730 Central. Zoom ID 918-800-1188. Nick, uh, I'm going to go ahead and have another Sam Adams winter lager. Uh, last week uh, on the next episode, I couldn't do that porter. This one wasn't bad. The, uh, the winter lager, festive and smooth. Really easy to drink, so uh, nothing nothing fancy about it. You could have maybe in your previous life even even drank some and, and enjoyed it, maybe. Yeah, probably. Know. Yeah, who All knows? Right. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> have a great night, man. All right, man. Hey, this is Marshall. If you got any <laughs> anything out of the episode, Great information was put out. So please go share it. Uh, if you know somebody that's curious about pricing or if, if you ever see somebody post in a group about pricing, send them back to this discussion. It's a great thought that maybe they should look into. Hey, leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Anything we can do for you. Have a great day. Peace.